and welcome to Unscripted Equity Curiosity. This is Season 2, Episode 9. My name is Ami Joseph. I'm the Sector Head for Technology here at Hedgeye. With me today, as always, is Andrew Friedman and Felix Wang, the Sector Heads of Hedgeye's Communication Sector and China Sector. And we're here to talk about um, anything, usually anything that is the topic du jour. However, today we have a special guest. Today's guest is Jay Van Skyver, who is the sector head for industrials at Hedgeye. Uh, Jay earned a bachelor's degree uh, once upon a time in chemistry from Yale University. And he was also the uh, sector head for industrials at Brown Brothers Harriman. He started a hedge fund called Bishop and Carroll, and he's been at Hedgeye for a long time. Um, and he is, if not our best, one of our best stock pickers that we have. And that is kind of the reason we brought him on because this market, the world has been so volatile um, and getting advice from an expert in terms of, you know, kind of natural stock picking and leanings uh, in both directions, long and short, is would be a great thing for all of our listeners. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Um, since Andrew has a lot on his plate this morning, we're going to let Andrew go first and I can guess what the topic is, but I'm going to let Andrew take us. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jay, um, just to go right into it. I mean, Elon Musk and Twitter, um, you've obviously done amazing work on Tesla and you've followed it a lot more closely than I have. And I guess I just love to just uh, to kick it off, just get your take on what you think is going on here, what his motives are how you see this within kind of Elon's broader, maybe strategic view, right? Is he being strategic here? Um, you know, uh, I, I just love to kind of just get your thoughts and then we can dig in from there. Well, I think uh, Elon Musk is a tremendously resilient individual. Uh, his willingness to suffer through difficult periods and emerge still fighting have uh, been surprising uh, over the years. Um, you know, when you look at Tesla and how Tesla is valued in the market and how it's perceived by investors versus what it actually is, the delta is staggering. Like people say like, oh, Elon isn't that smart. It's like, wow, to have created this differential, this chasm means you're very, very smart. Because the reality is that Tesla is basically a one product company. They make the Model 3, they make a hatchback version of the Model 3 called the Model Y, and that's all the revenues, right? There are basically no other revenues. And they also, for the most part, manufacture profitably in one geography. They, they received what I think is probably the most exceptional thing about the story is substantial support from the Chinese government to build a plant in Shanghai. Uh, and all of the money that Tesla is theoretically making is outside of the US, right? They never quite got that part of the manufacturing process down. So you have a single profitable factory basically making one product and a variant of it profitably. That's where we are. Uh, and at the same time, people think that, you know, I mean, if somebody like VW makes much more money, spends much more on R&D, has much more diversity in its product base, geographic exposure than a Tesla, and doesn't get the same kind of uh, cred. Um, you know, Twitter is an interesting target for Musk because, of course, he was uh, sued by the SEC for the 420 tweet, uh, 
which was an extremely large example of alleged securities fraud. I think one of the biggest, right? Like saying you're going to take a, you know, a company private and then it actually, you don't have the Saudi financing or whatever those text messages that were released in the civil suit show and obviously have made the Saudi uh, government and uh, whatnot very angry, judging by the lucid order that they placed. Um, you know, that's quite a, it's quite a mistake to make, if you will. And then he settles with the SEC and then proceeds to just violate the settlement over and over again. He has, doesn't have a Twitter sitter. He didn't, didn't do a lot of the stuff. And a $20 million fine to Elon Musk doesn't matter. So when he says totally worth it, it totally was, right? It ran the shorts. It, uh, you know, was very effective in that. So the, the idea, and then when you, we just did at Hedgeye our uh, human resources discrimination and harassment training, and you look at Elon Musk's Twitter feed and you're like, Oh my God, this guy is the CEO of a public company. He just, you know, tweeted a robot crane dick and like, <laughs> uh, he's got a monk, you know, next to, yeah, it, 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 next to a maiden. Let's just leave it at that. You know, all of these kinds of theory, he, he tweets the, the, the uh, Hitler thing, which he subsequently pulled back on, um, and deleted that. But, you know, this has very much been a, a vehicle for him to promote and create that chasm between what Tesla is and what it is perceived to be. I mean, this is a guy who said with a straight face that he was going to mine lithium with table salt at battery day. And you're, you know, you're just like, this guy, you know, we don't have a Cybertruck. We don't have a semi. The semi was introduced in 2017. All these things that have been promised. We don't have a self-driving car. General Motors has a self-driving car via its cruise, you know, subsidiary. Uh, I don't know. The chasm has been amazing. The fact that he wants to acquire the vehicle that helped him create uh, that chasm maybe isn't so surprising and nobody should doubt the guy's resilience and willingness to fight it out. Yeah, no, that, that's really helpful background. I guess two questions for you. One, do you think this is all a ploy just so we can sell more Tesla stock? That's what I've heard. I don't really have any strong opinions there. And then my second question is if this deal goes through, how do you think he's going to treat, like what, what would, what should Twitter employees expect from him as an owner, just given your knowledge of Tesla and his track record? Uh, so one of the thing that I think a defining quality of Elon Musk is that he hates boring, right? So he even named a company, the boring company, because he likes to mix it up. He likes to keep it interesting. And, uh, you know, the idea that he goes into the Twitter thing and has like a well-formed plan necessarily that doesn't have to be the case. He's, he can adapt, he can change, um, you know, and it can seem like a grand plan from the beginning, but a good tactician or, or whatnot will change strategy based on conditions. So I think he wants to get in it. I think um, if I were uh, a, t a Twitter employee, I would expect very little to change at first and a lot to change over time. The, one of the things that I found most shocking is the pivot to the right that Elon Musk has taken, right, politically, because if you think about all the subsidies he's gotten for things like Tesla vehicles, they weren't passed by, you know, uh, you know, coal supporting, you know, uh, oil drilling uh, politicians. They are passed by the left wing, which, uh, you know, like why on earth if I go by when... Um, you know, who's the new Spider-Man guy? I don't remember his name. Uh, he just bought a Porsche Taycan. If he bought a Porsche Taycan Turbo 
for $200,000 in the U.S., he will get a $7,500 tax credit because it's very important that we subsidize $200,000 electric sports car purchases, right? That's not a a right-wing policy. That's something that the left has. So I would expect uh, Twitter to become a lot more comfortable for uh, the political right. That's an expedient. I doubt he has strong political views, Um, but I would expect it to be a, a a place that that takes out the like for example i expect my twitter account to be deleted not in the first six months but maybe the seventh right because mm-hmm. uh, it says bad things about about tesla and he's a person who holds a grudge he went after this lawyer who worked at the sec he threatened to cancel his contract with the law firm if they didn't fire this kid like he's not a person who forgets or takes critics lightly yeah. despite his comments yeah i think that's a really interesting point i mean look politics aside like you can just call like it is. I mean, the advertising industry and brands typically lean a little bit more to the left, right? Um, in, in that sense. And so if he starts taking the platform in this, in a kind of a right wing, uh, you know, direction, um, you know, I could have, I could definitely see, and, and if he becomes more polarizing with content moderation practices, um, I could absolutely see, you know, advertisers start to pull back or cut their budgets, right? I mean, I'm not saying they all flee overnight, but, you know, advertising is fickle. Um, it's very fluid. It doesn't take much for a large brand who's spending tens of millions of dollars a year to just turn off the spigot and spend that money somewhere else. So I would be, you know, if I were him, I would, I would be concerned, at least given how the deal is financed, it looks like that, you know, there could be some downside risk if he's assuming that this stays an advertising business or if he has plans on moving into a subscription business, which it looks like he does, you know, can he successfully make that transition while keeping the platform whole? And um, again, I'm not making like a political statement, just the way that advertising industry works. Um, And so I think, I mean, so I think that could be, you know, potential downside risk um, that he's not contemplating. But, you know, like you said, he's very savvy, and he he probably thinks these things through. Well, I think the reason you would make the issue of acquiring Twitter political is to make it political, right? Like if, if Joe Biden steps in now and says like, Hey, this, uh, you know, billionaire who has, uh, you know, a whole list of problems, including repeated suits from the SEC for securities fraud, uh, you shouldn't be the CEO of Twitter. Like I want to intervene. For example, he's entirely, beholden to China. Like, let's get that just straight out there, right? If China says you can't menu, I'm taking back this ground lease in Shanghai because you pick the reason the party can do whatever it wants. You know, Tesla has no profits and Elon Musk gets, you know, loses a substantial amount of money, right? So there's clearly what happens if China says, hey, uh, which Twitter isn't in China, right? If I understand it correctly. Uh, I don't like your content moderation process with respect to this pandemic. Delete all of these videos uh, that show the big, you know, what are the the big hero six uh, white uh, suited people, um, you know, putting, you know, resting sick people or whatever. What's he going to do? If not, I'm going to kick you out of Shanghai, right? Like you need to change that. So it's conceivable that the Biden administration would have real concerns about Elon Musk um purchasing twitter but since he's made it about letting donald trump's account back on it's very hard 
to oppose his acquisition of Twitter. They, he, by making it political, he's actually made it easier for him to buy it, more plausible that he will succeed in the bid. It's interesting. Felix, I saw you jump on. Do you have any thoughts? Hey, yeah, I was... Uh, <clears throat> appreciate you coming on onto our podcast, Jay. Appreciate the road. great to, to hear your voice and to see you. Um, so, I, you know, the, the Tesla-China relationship always fascinates me. And I was wondering, you know, how does Musk, in your opinion, um, think about walking that tightrope? I mean, I, I think, you know, he's he's been on many China social media channels now. He's... He's pro-China, obviously, because he's, as you said, you know, how important that Shanghai plan is to him. Um, but I, I also, you know, I wonder if he is, he, he, if he is going to make kind of a political statement with Twitter or not. Um, but, but my question to you uh, as a side is, when I was thinking about um, Tesla is, how have consumers viewed the power of the Tesla brand? Um, in different parts of the world, uh, like China versus Europe versus U.S., do you think there's, based on what you've analyzed, do you think there's a divergence there um, around the world? Um, and then, and then finally, if you have any comment on him bringing back cocaine into Coca-Cola, so one thing uh, is, <laughs> he, he, I think I personally think he's very funny. I like to set SNL. I think that's a brilliant tweet. I'm sure he has people who help him with that because he can have all the support he wants. But I think, in, you know, he's a, he's a, a smart guy. It can be quite funny. Uh, the brand has been actually one of the most interesting phenomenon. And I think it ties into the stock price quite significantly. Right. So when you think about what's exceptional about Tesla, well, a Tesla isn't really the best electric car. You know, most people would say it's like uh, the Audi Sportback or the Taycan. Uh, Taycan. I went and drove them uh, last weekend. We made a whole family outing going to drive a whole bunch of Porsche Taycans and it's super fun, right? Like it's a great car. It's probably the best car I've driven. Um, so, you know, it isn't so much a differentiated product. They were early, uh, certainly, but they also were early because they manufactured an enormous loss for a very long time, um, which most OEMs were simply not willing to do. An electric car is not some sort of new idea. I mean, electric cars were all over the place in the early 1900s. Um, so it's, it's a question of whether or not, you know, the economics played out. Um, but the brand, when we do surveys, we've done surveys since 2017, I think, on the brand. The brand is just very powerful. Like it is a very successful uh, brand. It is in movies. Uh, it is in, you know, uh, a whole bunch of popular, like there's now like a, a song, uh, that my daughter likes called Elon Musk that she plays when she, whenever it's on like, you know, whatever the radio in the car is. Um, and I think that is something that's been surprising because usually cars correlate really well, car brands correlate really well with reliability. So it is one of the least, you know, the highest uh, incident rate uh, for problems with a new car, one of the lowest initial quality ratings. And yet, uh, you know, these, when you think, about like, why did Boring Company make bricks, right? Uh, Musk is a brilliant search engine optimizer, right? Uh, when 
these cars would have a software problem, they would brick on the road. And that's what people would use it because they're all software people. And that's, you know, it's just a brick. Uh, so next thing you know, when you Google, you know, Elon Musk brick, you don't get bricked Tesla vehicles stopping traffic on a highway. You get the boring company brick. Or when they catch fire, you get flamethrowers, not, um, you know, when you now, when you do Google Twitter bots for Tesla, you get the Tesla bot that, you know, they're never going to actually make and you'd have to be pretty gullible to believe in. Um, you know, so I think he's been very good at protecting the brand and promoting the brand. And I've been surprised at China for a little while went after Musk and the brand and fires and all that stuff. And for some reason they backed off. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe you have more insight into what happened there, but for like every day for six months, you know, the Chinese state media had negative articles about Tesla. And as I understand it, China really is interested in having their, you know, they feel like they missed out on internal combustion engines. And they're very interested in building a franchise in electric vehicles. Uh, and they've invested heavily in that, you know, still a lot of the battery production, uh, rare earth magnet production. Um, you know, they, have, they were early BYD companies like that were very early and successful electric cars. I'm not sure why they're helping Tesla to succeed. That's one of the great mysteries uh, to me. And I have assumed it's because they want to just latch on to that brand. Uh, you know, like not only do we have our own successful, but even Tesla, an American electric car company, wants to produce in China. That's the way I'd interpret it. And they'll kick them out if it becomes un not useful to them. Uh, but I'd actually be interested in your interpretation of why they let them compete there. I think it's more to deal with policy support for green energy, anything green-related uh, support for EVs, and to bring a foreign uh, brand who has, you know, is has big brand power among Chinese citizens. They were supportive of that as long as they follow the rules. Uh, so to to your point, yes, there have been tons of bad headlines on you know Tesla malfunctions. Tesla cars blowing up, uh, catching on fire, and things of that nature. So, yeah, it's 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 hurting the the reputation of owning a Tesla there. But if you think about the competition, you know, as a Chinese consumer, I thought it was interesting that if you go to a um, a dealership and you have to choose between American-based car or twenty different varieties of locally produced EV car. There's been surveys out there that Chinese still associate Tesla to be high value, high luxury brand. And they would rather spend that money to have that. Not because they think it's a better car, but it's more about, hey, neighbor, guess what I got? I got a Tesla. And, you know, I think that's a very powerful um, kind of brand association that Tesla has built in China. Um, but look, I, I think the government right now, at least with Musk, you know, they're they're trying to build a good relationship there as long as he follows the rules. Right. And Tesla in the in the past three months or so, I think there have been some headlines out there where they have experienced some faulty um, uh, connections, if you will. And te Tesla has to rectify just like a lot of the other industries in China um, to make sure 
you know, road safety is followed and th things of that nature. So it, I think it's a tenuous relationship at best, Jay. Um, but, you know, going back to my earliest point, which is green energy, uh, anything green re related, you know, EVs, that's something that China really is promoting right now. So if American-based automakers or anyone else outside of China wants to enter China and provide that kind of service, um, I'm sure they will be greeted with open arms, relatively so speaking, as long as they follow the rules. Can I just ask one high-level question? And that was really helpful, Felix. Thank you for that. Um, Jay or anybody, like, do you think like this could be like his Icarus moment? Like <laughs> he's just gone so far where maybe he just, this acquisition of Twitter just is the straw that breaks the camel's back, just gets him too much negative press, like political issues where uh, it just uh, kind of all falls apart on him. Maybe, I mean, if you see Tesla's share price go down, like a lot of the Tesla shareholder lover people, the fans, the super fans, who've stuck with him through a lot, right? Things that have also been bad. I mean, keep in mind, this guy is getting sued by like the state of California for running a you know, racist hotbed of a factory and like all these, you know, he's got a lot of issues that haven't taken him out yet. And he's very good at sort of covering, you know, covering that stuff um, with new stuff. There's always something new. Um, so, you know, it is possible that if he has to like sell stock and the stock goes down, that he annoys all these people who have their life savings in Tesla, which is a terrible idea. Um, even if it works, it's still not necessarily a good idea, right? Like it's not necessarily the smartest way to allocate. Um, so I would be hesitant to say that this is his, his moment, that this is the thing. Um, I think if anything, what it's probably doing, if I had to guess, right, and this is not super inside knowledge, is that uh, this guy has a lot of regulatory issues, even the way he acquired Twitter, right? He is his initial stake in Twitter. He puts out a, a 13D, you know, a not uh, activist file, like a passive holder versus an active holder, right? An involved holder, an insider, which meant he didn't have to file the form as early as he would have if he was going to be active, which meant that he got to buy the stock a lot cheaper, say, you know, basically ripping off people for hundreds of millions of dollars. Like if you or I did that, we would be in handcuffs, right? Like that's extremely bad for capital markets, right? So there's, but there's a whole list of these things you can go through, um, violating your SEC settlement. I mean, it just, it goes on. I mean, at some point, if you tell people you're making a product and you're not actually making that product, that's also just kind of like basic securities, you know, uh, I don't want to use the F word, but it is pretty obvious that like, if you're just knowingly lying to people, that's not good. Uh, and there's all these baby Teslas around, like Plug Power has a giga factory and is a stock promotion, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you look at Nikola, I mean, Nikola, the guy is being, the company was sued for fraud. The guy, Milton Friedman, is still in litigation, you know, he retired to spend more time with his lawyers. And, um, you know, so there's like a pervasive impact when basically you say, hey, this kind of securities fraud is okay, or just you got to pay a minor penalty to get away with it. I think that there has to be a broader intervention. And by politicizing Twitter, by 
embracing the right by becoming this, oh, Biden can't prosecute me or block my acquisition or any of that kind of stuff, because it will just be more anti-Trump, Trump derangement syndrome or whatever people want to call it, uh, is actually, I think that's the move. Um, so insofar as he's emphasizing, politicizing himself, he uh, is in a way insulating himself versus some of the uh, you know, potential blowback from his earlier actions, if you will. Hey, hey, Jay, can I just ask a, a little follow up on, on China again on Tesla? I, on his conference calls, does he mention anything about the, the, the Chinese EV startups like Neo, Xiaopang, Li Auto, maybe taking share from him as, as they ramp up? I'm just curious. If Definitely you not. If you haven't listened to the uh, Tesla earnings calls, they are uh, they are a circus. He takes like basically retail questions like how much like they're all functional. Like, how brilliant are you? Are you this brilliant or are you this <laughs> brilliant? Right. Like and we're going to have a robot that's going to come and clean your house. And this autonomy requires solving. I mean, they're, they're completely ridiculous. Like we have to solve generalized AI in order to make a. Uh, self-driving car. Meanwhile, the you know, Cruise has one that's driving around in San Francisco, albeit geofenced and things like that. You know, they don't even solve generalized AI. Meanwhile, his car drives into an airplane at an airport, right? I don't the, the whole thing is incredibly stupid. Uh, and the the conference calls are just more of that stupidity. He doesn't say anything about competition, you know. I think one question I'd have is like, is Porsche a good brand in China or Mercedes or Audi or uh, Aston Martin or Lamborghini or Ferrari or any of these other people who are going to have electric cars in the next you know, year or already have them? I don't know that you have a sense of the brand uh, power of those in China. Uh, no, I don't follow the space that closely, but um, okay. it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to learn that Tesla's cars are so entertaining. I got to jump on one. Oh my God, the calls are amazing. <laughs> I used to live tweet them, but then I realized it was just going to get my Twitter account deleted after he buys Twitter. Thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been season two, episode nine for the conclusion of our interview with Jay Van Skyver. Uh, please tune in next time to season two, episode 10, where we discuss more topics with Jay, including um, electric vehicles in China, M&A uh, and brand awareness and, we, and, and stock picking during a tumultuous period of time. See you next time. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.